Go ahead and grab your Bibles or devices and turn to the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1. Acts is in the New Testament, is right after the Gospels. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the book of Acts. And so we'll be in Acts chapter 1, starting with verse 6. And so as you're turning there, as I mentioned last week, we are concluding our Jesus series that we've been in for over 19 months. 19 months of preaching through the Gospels. And in all this, when we looked at all the miracles, the, the, the healings, the Jesus' teachings and parables, um, and all that took place, including the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus that we saw throughout the Gospels, that when in this last week's message and this week's message, if it could all be summed up, and to one thing of what Jesus would want his disciples to know before he would go and ascend up into heaven is where we got our messages from last week and today. And so I'm very excited to be able to continue in the series. Now, just as a reminder, last week we looked at the Great Commission, uh, which I like to refer to as the great opportunity that we have because God has given each follower of Christ, the great opportunity to share the life-changing relationship of Jesus to every man, woman, and child where they live, work, and play, welcoming them in to the fellowship of believers and then investing in them, pointing them back to Jesus through the teaching and encouragement of His Word. And so that was our text and our focus last week. And our passage this morning is a continuation of this great opportunity that we have been given. So will you read with me on Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of heaven, restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when they had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so we see right off the bat that the, the disciples ask Jesus, hey, is, Lord, is this the time that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, it's not the first time that the disciples had asked Jesus this question. They, they've actually asked multiple times throughout the ministry. So why do they seem to be hung up on this topic? Why do they seem to be hung up of wanting to know if Jesus was going to restore the kingdom of Israel? See, to understand that, we need to know a little bit of the culture and what being brought up as a, a Jewish young man, uh, what they were taught. See, throughout all of their education, they would have been taught that the power and the authority of the Messiah, that he would reign over Israel and one day would restore it as an independent nation out from under the ruling of Rome. And so they were very eager for this to happen. They were very excited. They knew that they had encountered the Messiah. They knew that Jesus was this proclaimed and promised Messiah. And so they wanted to know, is this the time that you're going to restore it back? Is this the time that you're going to do this? And listen to Jesus' response in verse 7. 
It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. See, Jesus is reminding the disciples once again, hey, their focus shouldn't be on when. But one of the truths that the disciples are struggling to comprehend in this moment, one of the things that they, they can't seem to grasp that the kingdom of God is more than just Israel gaining their independence from Rome. It's more than just become Israel becoming a sovereign nation once again. No, what Jesus has been trying to teach them and point out to them that the kingdom of God includes the restoration of the hearts of his followers of every tribe and every nation. See, the restoring of the kingdom of Israel isn't just actually for the nation of Israel, but it is for all who would believe in the name of Jesus. See, where the disciples are worried about when Jesus' kingdom will come, Jesus wants them to concern themselves not with when, but who will be in that kingdom. See, it's not an issue of when this is going to happen. He's very clear. We don't know. We know it's going to happen. We know this is going to take place, but we do not know when. And that shouldn't be our focus or our priority. No, our focus should be on who. Who is going to be included in this? This is where they're making, he was making the point that they were missing it completely. He wanted them not to focus on the establishment, but focus on the people themselves. And see what Jesus has already said and is going to reiterate to us in this passage today, that he has given us and commanded us with a great opportunity to share his love with others. See, he doesn't want us to get bogged down with the details of what the future may hold for us. No, he wants us to get focused in on the opportunities that he's given us each and every day, and then the opportunities that he is calling us to step out in faith and go on as well. So read with me in verse eight, where he says, but you will receive the power, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. See, a few weeks ago, we talked about the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so let me remind you what the role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life is. The Holy Spirit is to secure us, sustain us, and supply us. See, securing our future and our hope for eternity with Jesus, and then sustaining us here in the moments to stand firm, to stand fast, and then supplying us with everything that we need to honor and glorify God and live a life worthy of the gospel. He supplies all our needs in that. But read with me, uh, read, listen to this as I read this passage. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were given their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Did you catch that? And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony about the resurrection of Jesus. Was that saying that through the power of the Holy Spirit working through them, they were sharing and testimony and teaching on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. They were teaching the gospel. And it was the power of the Holy Spirit working through them that allowed them to be able to share, boldly share his love with them around them. See, it's the power of the Holy Spirit working through us that enables to live our lives marked by the gospel. It's the power of God within us. See, it, it, it's as if that Jesus unzipped us, stepped inside, and through the Holy Spirit is living with us. And for all believers, that is the truth. All followers of Christ have the same exact power 
that the apostles have of the Holy Spirit within them. So we had the same power when they shared their faith over 2,000 years ago where they boldly went out and proclaimed His love and in truth, went about the communities, went about their family and friends, went beyond their city and beyond their region or where they lived to share the love of Jesus without fear, without hesitation. They went and followed what Jesus is commanding us to do in here. We have that exact same power living within us today. And it's because they were willing to be obedient, because they were willing to step out and follow what Jesus had commanded them and embrace the power of the Holy Spirit within them to boldly proclaim the gospel to others. Over 2,000 years later, we are able to be here in church today as a result of their faithfulness. Did you catch that? As a result of the faithfulness of the apostles, we're here today. We have, as followers of Christ, we have heard and received the gospel because the men and women before us were faithful in sharing the love of Christ with others. And in our passage, he is calling us to do the exact same thing. But let me share this in a different perspective as well. Because when I hear the word power, I, I can't but help but geek out a little bit because it makes me think about a, of a quote from one of my favorite superheroes. And it is, is Spider-Man is my favorite superhero of all time. I know it's like, I'm like a little kid, but I love Spider-Man. He, I think he's the most realistic and life-like superhero out there. So he's my favorite. And in the comics and in the storyline of Spider-Man, his uncle Ben says something to him that would stick with him throughout and be, help Spider-Man become the superhero who he became. And the quote is this, with great power comes great responsibility. Let me say it again for us. With great power comes great responsibility. Now, as great as I think Spider-Man is as a superhero, he's a fictional character. You know, it, it, it's not real. His power is nothing compared to the power that we have as followers of Christ. See, as followers of Christ, we have the true truly the greatest power possible. We have the Holy Spirit, God himself, dwelling and living inside of us and motivating us, empowering us to go out and boldly share his love with others. See, God has called us to share the life-changing hope of Jesus with every generation. See, our, our, that's our mission statement here at First Southern Scottsdale, and it is pulled from the Great Commission in our text this morning. See, Jesus wants us to go out, step out of our comfort zone, step away from our fears and our concerns and our worries to boldly share His love with others. You see, people want hope. People need hope. They need to experience the hope of Jesus. And we have the greatest opportunity to be able to do that. See, we have the opportunity to help people walk away from the guilt and shame of their sin. We get to take God's truth and tell them that of His love for them, that He loved them so much that He sent His Son to die on the cross for you and our sins. That He wanted to restore the broken relationship that our sin divided us and separated us away from a holy God but through Christ's sacrifice on the cross has given us the opportunity to restore that relation, broken relationship. And it's when we look at Jesus and confess our sins and ask Jesus, recognizing that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of our lives 
It is in that moment when we experience salvation. It's a moment when we get to experience hope like no other. It's in that moment when we, are, we become filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and to point us in our hearts back towards Jesus. That is the call of every believer in Christ is to share that truth with them. And if you're listening today and that's, you know that you want to experience that, you want to experience this life-changing hope, I'm going to ask you to just stop right now. I'm going to ask you to either go online, go to our website and fill out connect form or the easiest way to get hold of us is to grab your cell phone and text the word changing to 94000 that's changing to 94000 that's the easiest way to get hold of us it's not the only way feel free to call us here at the church email us whatever you need to do we would love to help you take the next steps in your journey of faith and because we want every single person to understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. That is our heart. That is our passion. That is what we are called to share with you and encourage you as a church. Now for us believers, Jesus reminds us about that calling in the next part of verse 8. So read with me. Verse 8. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Did you catch that? Whose witnesses are we supposed to be? We're not our own witness. We are to be the witnesses of Jesus himself. Our lives, our words, our actions, everything that we do is, to be a, is a witness and a testimony of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. He has called us to be a witness for him. Now, we understand the term witness, especially in a courtroom setting. And in a courtroom setting, there's two types of witnesses. There's the credible witness, and then there's the non-credible witness. See, the credible witnesses is who you want on your case to support you. See, they're trustworthy, they're honest, and when they share their testimony, it lines up with the facts of the case. We are called to be credible witnesses for the, for the testimony of Jesus. But let's talk about the non-credible witness. See, the non-credible witness is who you do not want to be on your case. They're the ones who actually hurt your case. It's when they get up there and they're not trustworthy. You can't believe what they say. And simply, they do more harm than good. I saw this bumper sticker once uh, on the back of this car. It says, I love Jesus, but I can't stand his followers. I love Jesus, but I can't stand his followers. You know how heartbreaking that is to, to read and even just to say out loud. See, I don't know this person's story. I was driving down the road. I, I don't know them from Adam. But my guess is that they've had a bad experience with the church. They've had a bad experience with some Christians and, and probably more than just one Christian. Um, they may love reading Jesus, but people should not have a bad experience with his followers. No, his followers should be marked by love. See, our lives should look different. John 13, 35 says this, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. All people will know that we are followers of Jesus if you have love for one another. See, as Christians, we are supposed to be the most loving people in the world because we have experienced the greatest act of love that Jesus willingly gave up his life out of an act of love for us, laid his life down while we were still enemies of his, while we were still sinners, he died for us. 
There's no greater act of love than that in all of history. And because we have experienced personally that love, that should motivate us to be the most loving people possible. And the most loving thing that we can do is to tell people about Jesus. See, our lives should be marked by the gospel. We should look different than from the world. Look with me again at verse, verse 8. You'll be the, my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, we spent a great deal talking about Jerusalem. So when you hear Jerusalem, the disciples would have understood that that was their local context. That was their local setting. That was their, their hometown. And so for us, it's, it's your community. It's your local setting. It's where you live, work, and play. It's your neighborhood. It's your workplace. And it's where you spend your free time. This is, that is your Jerusalem that God has called you to be a witness and be a testimony for His name, for His sake in that. This is a calling that God has on us. How are the people in your neighborhood? How are the people in your workplace or where you hang out going to hear about Jesus if you don't tell them about Him? See, God has uniquely placed you there for that opportunity. And if you want to know more about that, I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's sermon because we talked about this at great length about what it means to share and to live out our faith in our local community, in our local context. But what's he saying next? You'd be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in all Judea and Samaria. See, when I was looking at this passage, it's very clear that Judea and Samaria are grouped together in this context here. See, Judea and Samaria is our nation. It is, it is a great, greater nation that God has given us, allowed us to live in this great nation of the United States. And when he says Judea, he's referring to the culture within our nation that we know and love. See, the disciples would have known that Judea was the region that they lived in. It was an area of, of mostly Jewish people that they would live in, the context and the settings and, and things that they would have felt most comfortable in and going. And so these are the type of people that you associate with. They, they had the same political views, maybe root for the same sports teams, the people that we naturally would gravitate towards and build relationships with. But he includes Samaria. Now, this would have been a very shocking thing for the disciples to hear because the Samaritans were not loved by the Jewish people. No, they were hated and despised. See, they would actually pray for God not to save them. How much do you have to hate somebody to pray that? But Jesus is telling his disciples, he's telling you and me, that we are to go to places that look different than us. We are to embrace culture that is different than ours. He wants us to go. See, the Samaritans were the Gentiles. And for most of us watching and listening today, that would be us. And I am so grateful that the disciples were obedient to Jesus's command here and were willing to step out of their comfort zones to go tell a group of people who were different than them about the love of Jesus, about his death and sacrifice and resurrection on the cross. I'm so grateful because we are able to be here today and work, gather and worship Him as a result of their faithfulness. So what would that look like for us? What would that look like for the church in America today? That means that me and you got to step out of our comfort zones. We have to be willing to build relationships with people who look different than us, people who think different than us, people who maybe vote different than us, who sound different than us. See, God wants his truth and his love to spread to all people. 
And it's important to know this, that the gospel supersedes all social, economical, racial, and political lines. There is nothing beyond the gospel. See, Jesus desires all to be saved. He wants as many people as possible to know his name. And it is up to us. God has called you and me to step out of our comforts, to be willing to go and engage people who may look, think, or act differently than us. He wants us to go to our Judea and our Samaria. But he doesn't end there. What's he say? To the ends of the earth. See, Jesus wants the, his message, his love to go throughout the world. See, it is making sure that everybody here is covered. See, he desires for the disciples to travel outside their nation, outside their country. He desires you and me to have opportunities to go out away from to other countries to share his love with others. See, there's people that God has called to full-time mission work. You know, we, I think about the Millers. God has called them to serve there in Southeast Asia, to share his love and his truth with them. And he's called us to support them through prayer, through finances, and that is such. But he's also calling us to go there and support them as well, to go physically in person. See, God may not be calling you to full-time mission work in another country, but he does call you to support them. He does call you to full-time mission work where he has placed you and where he may send you. So I encourage you to look for opportunities for God to be able to give you, to be able to share his love in other countries. Maybe instead of going to that next vacation, maybe God's calling you to go on a mission trip. See, I would love for our church to experience more and more mission trip opportunities and to be able to go and spread the name of the gospel. I know we have partnerships with other missionaries who would love to have support. People who come alongside them and just help them and support them and encourage them and, and do their mission work, their gospel work there in their country. Um, I'm just gonna encourage you to pray about it. What is God laying on your heart? What is holding you back from engaging in some type of mission work in your Jerusalem, in your Judea and Samaria, and into the ends of the world. See, our passage ends with this, where the two angels are, are there and they, they show up as the disciples are, are still looking up in the air, trying to see if they still can see Jesus up there. And this, these angels show up and say, men of Galilee, you're like, why are you still here? Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. He's reminded that he, Jesus is going to return. But until then, you have a calling on your life. So until Jesus returns, we have a calling on our life. There is no retirement from our Christian faith and our Christian calling. Jesus has called us, me and you, to embrace every opportunity to tell others about the love of God and to lead them to the life-changing relationship of Jesus. We are called to be his witnesses in our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Will you take up the call? Will you be obedient? Let's step in that in faith this week. Let's pray for to be empowered, to be emboldened, to, to set aside our fears and our angst from going out and proudly and boldly proclaiming the love of Jesus with others. Let us be marked by our love for them. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you so much. Father, we thank you for the encouragement, the reminder that you have called us to share your love with others. 
Father, I pray for all of us that you will just convict our hearts to be more involved in sharing our faith. Father, I pray that you give us more and more opportunities that we cannot help but see the opportunities that you have given us to boldly proclaim his love for them. So God, I pray for every single person here. Lord, if people need help sharing their faith, Father, I pray that you, they will come and reach out to uh, their friends and family here at the church um, to help them, to, to teach them, to guide them, to equip them even more um, than today's message to share their faith. But Father, we love you. We thank you for the calling on each of our lives. And we ask this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.